Hello, and welcome to our series, Career Resilience, where we talk with people about their career path and their career journey, and maybe we can all learn from each other. My name is Jan Daniluk, and I'm a human resources professional in London, Ontario, Canada. I work with Ford Keist LLP, and I work with my clients to help them with the HR side of their business. We hope that you will enjoy these discussions with real people about real challenges and real working life situations. Welcome. Let me welcome today's guest, and that's Joey Lee. Welcome, Joey. Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so good to see you and have you here. So I, I wanted to, first of all, talk about where we are. I'm located in London and uh, Ontario. And where are you today? Uh, I'm based in Vancouver, BC. I wanted to get into a little bit about your background and so on, but let's start with what you currently do uh, for a living. So tell me about your current role. So at the moment, I'm a project manager for a uh, software development company in Hong Kong. I'm managing a project that uh, they're launching in North America for the real estate industry. Okay. And how long have you been doing that? I moved to Vancouver in uh, at the end of December. So um, they called me up in January and offered me a position working remotely for them. So uh, since beginning of this year. Okay. And so is that your education? Is it related to project management? Uh, not at all. My, uh, my background is uh, was in school with criminology and uh, law. So I took, I, I don't think I've spent a day in uh, doing or pursuing what I went to school for. Okay, that frequently happens, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so tell me about your hours of work. So currently I'm working for um, the, a Hong Kong based company. So a lot of the clients right now are based in Asia. So I'm working uh, sort of from 6 p.m. until anywhere from 3 to 7 a.m. my time. And then you sleep all day? I try not to. Um, I've, I'm big into working out, so I've got two boys, so I've been kind of juggling, sacrificing a little bit of sleep and being able to get them, um, you know, into school and still being able to hit the gym in the morning and then, you know, taking a little nap in the afternoon and then starting work again at six. So, so let's go back in time a little bit and tell me when you were growing up, did you always know what you wanted to do when you grew up? I thought I did. I went through um, school playing a lot of sports and um, I helped coach some uh, sports teams after I graduated from high school. Um, and I, I think I always thought that I wanted to go into uh, teaching and I wanted to be a PE teacher. I looked up to a lot of my PE teachers in school and, you know, I think that that's what I wanted to do was work with kids. And um, yeah, I mean, that didn't come to fruition. And I think I changed my career path many, uh, have many times. Yeah. in the last 20 years so yeah that happens a lot where we're on one path and then we're on another path yeah. um, so uh, did you go to university or college um, I did so I played basketball for um, Douglas College for a year and then Capilano College for a year uh, I, I graduated with my associate's uh, uh, degree in at Capilano and transferred over to Simon Fraser for two years where I was pursuing my bachelor's but after a couple of years, I just decided, um, I actually decided to move to Hong Kong. So I stopped my university education there. Um, wasn't really believing in what I was doing. So completely turned, made a 
big change in life and moved out to, to Hong Kong. Was that a difficult move to make? It was extremely difficult. You know, when I made the decision, it was very scary, but you know, I always felt like there was nothing to lose. I always had a home here in, in Vancouver. So if mm -hmm. things didn't work out, you know, it, it wasn't the end of the world. So. And um, do you speak um, Mandarin and Cantonese? What do you, what are your languages? So I do speak um, Cantonese, uh, very conversational, but um, I could definitely get by. Um, it definitely improved while I was in Hong Kong for the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, so, and it comes and goes, I, you know, depending on how much I use it, but yeah. yes, I do speak Cantonese. Okay. And so um, do you need Cantonese um, to, to be in Hong Kong? Uh, no, not at all. So the clients that I was working with, they're all English speaking and there's a huge expat community there. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it depends, depending on where you are located and what type of job you're in, um, it's, it's definitely beneficial to be able to speak the language. Right. Um, and I think it, it made my life much more comfortable there to be able to navigate around um, the local markets and um, the local community uh, and feel a little bit more uh, relatable to my own culture and my background. Yeah. So it was, it was actually beneficial for me to be able to speak Cantonese. Yeah. Um, what's the vibe working in a city like Hong Kong? Hong Kong is so amazing and I think you've been there too. So I think you'll, uh, you'll, you know, a little bit about how exciting it is there. Um, it's extremely fast paced days roll in and out so quickly. Um, people there tend to work really long hours and they work hard and they play hard. So, um, you know, having moved out there in my twenties, um, you know, it was, you were out all the time, but you did work 12 hour days and their, you know, their normal working hours, um, are six days a week for most jobs. Really? So, yeah. So the first uh, few years of work, I was, you know, working sort of Monday through Saturday and we would have one full day off and we'd be working 12 hour days um, mm -hmm. the rest of the week. So, uh, but that just became normal. You know, that was yeah. just how people worked. So that was just the culture to work those kind of 12 hour days. Yeah. And actually like, you know, government, um, statutory regulations are for, um, you know, employees to work in the, on a local contract six hours a day, uh, sorry, six, uh, days a week. And I think it was something like seven, you get seven days of paid vacation a year. Okay. So when you got there, what did you start to do to, again, put food on your table? Well, I, I moved to Hong Kong mainly because I was pursuing, um, you know, my, my sporting career as a Muay Thai fighter. Okay. I wanted to be a little bit closer to Hong Kong. So tell us about uh, Muay Thai fighter. What's that mean? So Muay Thai is uh, a form of kickboxing. It's a, a Thai style of uh, boxing where you use your hands and your feet um, and elbows and knees. So there it's called the art of eight limbs. There's, you know, two hands, two elbows, two knees and two feet that you can punch and kick with. Um, and I got into it here in Vancouver. I had had a few fights and I really wanted to do a little bit more training and get a little bit closer to Thailand. Um, and I thought Hong Kong, I had relatives there and it was easy for me to get, um, you know, to get based there and to be able to do some training on the side. Okay. 
So, so did you become a professional fighter? Yeah, so I started training out there and um, I met somebody who wanted to get me a professional fight. And um, so I trained up for it and my first pro fight was out in um, Sydney, Australia. So once you, once you get paid for a fight, you're considered professional. Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, where, what types of places did you fight? So I fought in um, Thailand, Australia, Hong Kong, Macau. Um, it, mainly those are where the big events happen. Mm -hmm. So, And I've had a few fights in Vancouver as well. Okay. So um, Macau is a, a place that's known worldwide for its gambling. So, you know, when the helicopter's flying people over to, to gamble yeah. and so on, it's quite, quite the place. Um, yeah. Was... Was that kind of an interesting experience fighting there in particular? You know, my experience in Macau, it's not as glamorous. People say it's the Vegas of Asia. Yes, um, and if you've been to Vegas, you'll be pretty disappointed when you go to Macau because it's not got the same vibe. It's, it's all about gambling in, um, in Macau and not so much as entertainment. So it's not as lively as it is in Vegas. Um, so Macau, it was pretty... It was pretty laid back. Um, it's not like what you would imagine in Vegas where you hear about, you know, big fight events. Uh, but all these promotions were still um, quite, you know, fairly big. They had a couple thousand people, um, you know, spectators and fans coming out to watch. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was amazing because um, I got flown over in a, in a helicopter. Mm -hmm. And yes, I did. And it was, uh, it was the, the whole VIP experience. It was really fun. Um, my friends all get, got to come over to watch and um, spend the night in in Macau, so it was it was a good time. And you know, I really enjoyed my kickboxing or Muay Thai career. I, it took me to many places and meeting a lot of um, high level yeah. athletes. So it was really fun. And is that when you became uh, your professional name? Yeah. So well, <laughs> my my professional nickname um, is uh, Joey Bam Bam Lee, right. and it was just. It wasn't something that I chose, you know, people just, you, you get stuck with the nickname and whether you like it or not, it's just your nickname. Okay. Um, yeah. So that was given to me by my coach and manager. Okay. And um, what made you decide to finish up that aspect of your career? Well, I fought till I was um, 30 and I, that year I, it was actually supposed to be my biggest year in fighting. I had, um, had planned to uh, fight for a title, um, a pretty high level title against a world class fighter. And that, that whole year kind of went out the window when I got pregnant with uh, my eldest son. Okay. Yeah, that would uh, change your career path yet again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, so then in terms of career, what did you decide to do then? Because now you're a mom and you're in a different uh, stage of your life. So what, what did you choose to do? Well, prior to um, getting pregnant and, you know, stopping my career in Muay Thai, I was a per, like a personal trainer. So when I moved to Hong Kong, I started working as a personal trainer. So I'd done that for five or six years. Um, when I stopped fighting, I continued my personal training and we opened up a few businesses at that point with my husband. 
Okay, so you went into business for self is what we call that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just to veer off for a second, um, who's been the, I'm sure you've had a variety of influence, um, people who have influenced your career, but who's been your biggest influence? For my career, I, I mean, my mom has been an entrepreneur all her life and, you know, having grown up with my mom, um, she's always inspired me to not be afraid to, you know, go out and do my own thing. I think that's where a lot of my, my attitude and my mentality comes from. I've seen her go through a lot of um, her own businesses as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've always just had that ingrained in me and uh, she's, she works extremely hard and that's how I've kind of grown as well. And I feel like a lot of what I do is reflected in how I see my mom. So I think she's probably been the most inspirational and, you know, person who I look up to and try to um, find strength in when I look at my own career. Yeah. I bet she's very proud of you. I hope so. Uh, yeah, I'm, my mom and I, I see so much similarity in me and my mom. So, uh, you know, I, I hope that I can work as hard as she has all her life. Mm -hmm. Great person. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to uh, career resilience as well in terms of um, you and I talked about what you'd like to chat about in that arena. So um, you indicated that you were interested in talking a little bit about failure, which I thought was quite fascinating. So what what is your thought process there in terms of career resilience, Joy? Well, you, when you... When you brought up, uh, you know, having this chat, I just, that was the first thing that came to mind. Um, and mainly because I think it's something that not a lot of people who've owned businesses and things like that, um, or maybe people who don't own businesses, they don't see that that's a big part of, you know, learning and living um, as an entrepreneur. Um, not everything always works out. You know, we've, you know, and I said that my mom has grown up, uh, or oh, I grew up with my mom having several businesses and several of them failed, you know, and it wasn't the end. Um, she picked herself up and, you know, tried something else. Um, and I think for me, my last 15 years has been very much the same. Um, we had some incredible um, clients and friends who backed us up and helped us open businesses. And we, some of them failed, you know, it what wasn't businesses. So uh, my husband and I started personal training businesses and, um, you know, Hong Kong is a, is a pretty vicious market. You know, formulas that work in the rest of the world don't necessarily work out there the same way, um, mainly because rent is so high there. Mm -hmm. So normally the way that you would run a business here and the way that you would play out a, you know, formula for the business, um, you have to factor in, you know, anywhere from five to 10 times in rent there. Mm -hmm. And for services, you're not really charging five to 10 times the amount of right. you know, what they would charge here. It's definitely more expensive, um, but you kind of have to, and that's why, you know, people work a lot harder in Hong Kong. Um, with our business, it was very, you know, what we could generate on an hourly basis. So it depends on how much we could work. And between my husband and I, we were both doing, you know, 12 hour days. Um, but, you know, being able to run a business and we hired trainers to work for us. And that was the first time, you know, I had employees. Um, 
and we did expand the business, but you know, in, we had the business for a good seven or eight years, but it did end up having to close down. Um, and did you know that was coming? Like how long did you feel that was coming? Well, what happened was we actually sold our businesses. Like when, when we really started struggling with one of our bigger um, locations, mm -hmm. um, the rent was exorbitant. Um, we had a fantastic location, but it was the equivalent of about close to 50,000 uh, Canadian dollars a month in rent. Wow. So, um, you know, we had a, we had a business plan and we were on track to, you know, hit that, but the months where business in Hong Kong is really different. You have about six months of the year where your expat clients are gone. You know, they're not there. So you have to rely on the other six months to kind of get you through. Okay. Um, and with rent so high, it just, it got very difficult. We had amazing people who backed us up and, um, uh, business partners of ours. And we ended up being able to sell our business to a much larger, uh, fitness company who was running, um, martial arts and, um, okay. MMA type classes. And they had one really large location, um, in central Hong Kong and they were looking to expand. Um, so they took me on and one of the, one of the, um, things with our contract was that I would go work and run the business for them on that side and become the GM for them. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, they had a much, much bigger location and, uh, to take 15,000 square feet in the middle of central Hong Kong. Um, I mean, they, their, their rent was in the hundreds of thousands a month. So, um, to be able to maintain that type of business, you know, it took a lot of, um, a lot of investment and, um, you know, it's, it was really stressful that whole time. The business ended up going uh, into bankruptcy. And so unfortunately my businesses that I had brought into that group, um, had to close down as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of feel like those feel like failed businesses for me. You know, the fact that I wasn't able to find a way for them to survive. And mm -hmm. I feel like a lot, like we had built a lot of relationships. Um, the gym kind of becomes a family for a yes. lot of people. Yeah. Um, people are spending five, six days a week there. Uh, we had kids programs and so we had entire families and, uh, they've become my closest friends and you feel like you've, you've lost and collapsed a community. Yes. Um, so they, it does feel like failure. I, you know, I felt like I came out of it and it was when it had to close more than anything, it was depressing and it was sad and, um, heartbreaking for me Yeah. because I invested, you know, everything, um, yeah. to do this business and more than anything was, it was embarrassing. Like it was embarrassing to go back and say, I, I couldn't make it, you know, I couldn't make it work. Um, and so it took me a long time to get through that feeling of everybody's looking down on me. Oh, and yeah. Everyone kind of felt like I, I just, yeah, she failed. Which they probably yeah. weren't. That was probably all in your mind, right? Yes. And it actually, the reason why I took, I got out of that slump was the amount of encouragement and um, feedback I got from the people who, huh were the most affected from the business. And, you know, I got a lot of messages when, um, 
the, the week after it had to close, just saying, you know, how sorry they were that it, you know, that it, we couldn't keep it afloat, but how much I changed their lives. And, um, you know, those messages were so emotional and um, genuine. And, you know, more than anything, I felt so much support um, that it didn't make me, it it taught me a lot of lessons because obviously, um, you know, you learn a lot about how to run a business, what's feasible and what you need. So, what we had planned and envisioned, I don't think we were far off. Um, You know, given a little bit more time, I think we could have kept it afloat. But I mean, right now, I'm kind of glad with this year, 2020 would have, you know, it it would have happened anyways, it was inevitable. Yeah, and but it does teach you to not fear failure, like knowing that it wasn't a failure, the amount that I took out of what I learned, has kind of paved the way for me. I, I'm not afraid to, you know, go to people and say, "Hey, I don't have my university degree, but I've done this and this and this," and you know, and to kind of tell them about how many, you know, the amount of people and business that I did manage. Mm-hmm. And you know, I built three gyms. You know, we we mm-hmm. went to the renovations, and I did that all on my own. Yeah. Um, I feel like those experiences, you know, far exceed any, you know, anything I could put on my resume as far as, you know, education and things like that. I think that's so true. I mean, that's, that's how you really learn is is in real life. It's great to have, you know, education and degrees and so on, but it's certainly by far is not the the be all and the end all and anybody who's, you know, ever apologizes about their education level. No, 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 no you've done well for just by navigating your, your work life, right? Because it's tough. Um, yeah. It really is. And, you know, you were sort of out there on a limb with those businesses and, and making them work for a great period of time. And then other stuff happens, right? So, yeah. But, you know, you, you came back from that and moved on to another adventure. And, and that's what I always believe, that out of change comes opportunity. For just sure. You just don't know what that's going to be. Yeah, for sure. Joey, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I, I really have appreciated hearing about your background and hearing about fighting in Macau and your own business. And, you know, you, you've got a really incredible career. And uh, I'm sure that big influencer in your life, your mom must be incredibly proud of you. So, so thank you for chatting with me today. To our viewers and our listeners, uh, thanks for joining Joey and me today on, on the chat about her career journey, and we hope that your career journey is doing well. And uh, until we meet again, thank you so much for joining us today.